And welcome back to Focus Target, the podcast. I'm your host, Smiley, with me today, Shy and Van, as usual. Gentlemen. Hey, hey Smiley. What's going on? Today, we're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to all three of our hearts in that we've had personal experiences with the individuals in question today, and that is the gold sellers are the real money traders that uh, have really become a something of a plague on uh, online gaming societies of late. Uh, so we're going to go into all the, the delicious details of, of buying and selling in-game currencies and what kind of impact that has on the gaming industry. Uh, but before we get to that, we are obligated contractually by the contract I just made up in my head to do a question of the day. And today's question wait, of the wait, day... Wait, 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 wait. So yeah. gold sellers already interrupt my gaming all the time, my pleasure and everything I love about MMOs, and now you're saying they're going to interrupt my podcast too? That's right. Uh, well, are you calling me a gold seller? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> that's what I'm getting out of this, and I, I feel like I'm, I should be offended. I'm sorry, Smiry. I guess I'm a better better to be a gold seller. Is it? You know, that's something maybe we should talk about. We haven't talked about this off the air, but is it better to be a gold seller or a gold buyer? Marinate on that. We'll come back to it. But let's talk with the question of the day. Uh, if there were a book or a movie that was to be made into a video game, which book or movie would you choose, and why would you make that decision? It's a long-winded question of the day, but I'm going to start with Shy today. Shy, is there any book or movie you can think of that you think would make just a fantastic video game? It doesn't necessarily have to be the, you know, the a faithful rendition, but if, if the book was kind of the inspiration for the game. Uh, the short answer is no, <laughs> um, but I feel like I, like you said, I'm contractually obligated to uh, answer this question. So Indeed uh, you I, are. Will, I will, I will go ahead and try. Uh, but you, like you said, it's a long-winded question. I would have a long-winded answer, and so I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. But I would have to cheat and say I would have to say two, and for different reasons. Um, I thought of two movies. I thought of one movie. So, that, no. so you're going from none to two. Well, I'm not really happy with either one, and I'll explain as quickly okay. as possible why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but one one of them would be a very recent sci-fi film called Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt that I really like as a movie. And it has a very cool premise with, with, with humans fighting aliens, and there's time travel aspects. I think the story, story-wise, story it would be a really cool story to have in a game, but I've seen too many video game movies, you know, and too many movies turn into video games and have, like, lackluster, like, gameplay mechanics, and I feel like that is very much... And when I think of that movie being a game, that's how I pictured turning into like this just terrible video game that would have like so much potential. Um, see, I, I didn't ever see that movie, but I know a little bit about it. And it seems like there's a really good potential for like a roguelike or something because you're expected yeah, to die yeah. frequently. There, there's like, some cool stuff you could do, but I don't think that they would like be able they to could... nail it. Like that's, that's, that's my concern. So I'm, um, okay. All right. Um, like the other one I thought of was another um movie called equilibrium starring early christian bale before he really became big became batman that featured while the story isn't as incredible had featured incredible action scenes with what they called gun kata which was like martial arts using guns and uh like that i think could make it that, that combat in that game could make an awesome or in that movie could make an awesome game that you know i mean so i think it's like the flip side like i could see like the mechanics being really cool in a video game um using a system like that whereas the story is more lackluster and unfortunately i feel like that probably would make a better game because a lot of not that i mean a lot of video games can have good stories but i think that uh that in general um that might be an area that video games are lacking so i i mean i i guess you have good reason for doubting the ability for good movies or books to be made into games but 
I mean, it seems less like you don't have a good choice and more that you don't feel like the industry is capable of a, of a successful translation. Maybe, yeah. And maybe that's fair. I always feel like most books mo- most books that are translated into movies, the movie doesn't live up to the book. I think that's a pretty common, commonly held feeling. So, All right, Van, what about you? Do you have a book or movie that you would like to see in game format? I do. And you know what? As a matter of fact, I thought this was going to be hard for um... – to find a book and I was like, okay, great. Well, I'm limited to 50% of the field because I just don't read books and it's not something I, I like to admit. I just, I'm a boring manuals, instructional guide kind of guy, you know, like, um, or just, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, opinion books or something like that. Like Mark Levin's Ameritopia and stuff like that. Nonfiction, so, right? Yeah, exactly. A lot of nonfiction. Um, so I thought it was going to be really difficult, but then I, th- I was like, well, you have read a book that you really, really, really love that was fiction, and that was the uh, Dragonlance Lance Chronicles, um, specifically the Autumn Twilight, which was released in 2000 or 2001, um, really the first nonfiction book I read, and I absolutely loved it. I read it twice, and I even read it um, one more time all the way through with my, my wife, uh, Shini. So I figured, you know what? It's it's actually part of the D&D universe. That would act that would just translate perfectly into a video game because, you know, you have the quintessential um, dwarves who swing heavy axes and are bearded with heavy mail. And then you have like the tall, handsome knights who have the, you know, um, great swords or blades and stuff like that. So, and then you have the, the warriors and everything. And I was like, this is literally like everything I love about MMOs. And it would be absolutely fascinating to play these games in an MMO and who better to do it than Dungeons and Dragons and their, their universe. So, um, that was my choice. You know, Van, I find it completely you that you don't read anything but nonfiction. Then you come across a fiction book and you read it and you love it so much that you read it twice. And that Three gives times. you and, and that gives you no desire to go out and read further books. You're like, <laughs> nope, done. Back to nonfiction. I don't read. I, I see what they're talking about. Back to nonfiction. <laughs> I see is... what all the hoopla's about. Back to <laughs> that's, nonfiction. That's you all over. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously Dungeons & Dragons itself was the inspiration for the modern uh, RPG, or I guess the classical JRPG of the original Final Fantasy, if you look at the mechanics, is basically straight out of Dungeons & Dragons. So uh, yeah, definitely a lot of, lot of opportunities there. And I, to be honest, I'm surprised we haven't seen more Dragonlance stuff and I, I don't know. I know there's like the Neverwinter Nights sagas and the Baldur's Gate, which is is based on the, uh, uh, you know, the D and D universe. So I don't know how tied together those are. I haven't read Dragonlance, so I, I'm not really in a position to say. But um, you know, you might look into games like that if you've never played Baldur's Gate or or Neverwinter. It sounds a little bit like what you're talking about. Um, yeah, Neverwinter Nights actually was really good. Nights. Yeah, Neverwinter Nights uh, is for the is a RPG for the PC, and and that's actually a lot of fun. I I, I played that a little bit back in the day. I think so Neverwinter Nights too. The Dragonlance Chronicles is actually a chronicle of of the four seasons. So it starts out with Autumn Twilight, then it goes into Winter Night, and then it actually goes into Spring Dawning and Summer Flame. So I have read through Winter Night and Spring Dawning. I wonder how closely the games, if it's just the titles that are similar, or if they're actually similar in nature. They might very well be. You didn't finish the arc. You didn't read Summer Flame. I did not fin- no, I haven't read Summer Flame. As a matter of fact, when I was looking up this answer, um, I guess Summer Flame hadn't been written at the time when I read it. So oh. now I see it, so I'm I gotta go back and read this now. 
Uh, your first non-fiction or your first fiction book in like a decade that's <laughs> exciting yeah, update for that. future well, podcasts <laughs> alright yeah we'll, we'll expect a report in the future okay uh, I'm going to get into mine because we've dragged this question of the day on very long um, the game the book that I would pick is a game called Ready Player One and the uh, reason I would pick it not as much because I would want it to go through the story of the game like a traditional you know movie to video game translation but because in that book they have like uh the plans for a for an ultimate virtual reality mmo where basically the entire world plays this super mmo that is pretty ridiculous and i remember when i read the book and it's a great book if you haven't read ready player one i definitely would advise you to do so i've never met anybody who has given it a try and not absolutely loved it um some people in this particular podcast included um but the thing about it that i thought was when i read the book i remember leaving with the idea of like man i wish the game in this book was real that would be so awesome and so it's a natural choice all right uh anything else on any other thoughts on the questions of the day gentlemen you know, I'd, I'd consider reading it, but I, I just, you know, nonfiction really hasn't done it for me. Ever, may, may, so. Maybe in 20 years you can get back to us and you'll <laughs> have, be ready to take a plunge. I have to read, buddy, so I'm yeah. good for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said in 20 years. I, I, mean, I, right. I feel like I accounted for that. You're, you're not giving my math enough credit. All right, well, listen, if you, our listeners, would like to chime in on a question of the day, feel free to contact us. We'd love to hear your reactions to our choices and our answers or any uh, topics that you would like to suggest. Uh, Our contact info will be provided at the end of the podcast. So let's get to the meat of it, and that is the gold selling business. So before we start, I really want to make sure everybody's on the same page because I'm sure the three of us in our our discussions are going to jump around a lot with terminology and we're going to try i think as as a group to to keep it as gold sellers um but there's there's a lot of different terms for these people that are kind of interchangeable and so i don't want our listeners to be confused when we say gill seller so uh gold is kind of the generic currency of of online gaming most games use gold other games use different variations but gold's kind of the catch-all for for an in-game currency uh gill is something that we also talk about obviously shy van and myself all played final fantasy games for a long time played final fantasy 11 together gill is the gold equivalent currency in the final fantasy universe so so gill sellers or gill tellers are are uh kind of the terminology we use for these people and the broader category that they all fall under is considered the RMT. Uh, we'll say RMT a lot, which is real money trade. So the the basic idea is that these are, are people who, instead of playing the game for amusement, like most people would, they try to play the game as a job. And that is to say they earn in-game currency uh, by playing the game, usually by using uh, programs like bots, or uh, any any other ways, uh, any other cheats that they can use to to get an edge up, to to do it as quickly and efficiently as possible, and they earn as much gold as they can, and then they sell it back to players who would rather pay money in real life money, real life dollars and cents, or yen if you're in in the Japanese market or whatever currency you subscribe to, um, you would pay real money in exchange for in-game currency. And while some of our listeners may be like, why would you actually do that? There's there's obviously um, 
a, a legitimate time savings aspect. So if you have to spend four or five hours farming up enough gold to buy your new sword in a game, you're saving yourself a lot of time, and, and, and that can be worth a lot to a lot of people. Um, so so overall, what we're, what we're looking at is, is that now that video games and online gaming has become such a big thing, the, the gold-selling population has gotten completely ridiculous. And most new online games have to deal with the idea that there's going to be people who are going to try to exploit their game to make a living. So the first thing I want to talk about with my cohorts who have been um, who have been patiently waiting for me to stop talking is why is this such a big deal? Like, why, what does it matter if people want to go in and earn gold and people want and buy and sell it, right? Like, what's the big deal? So, Van, let me start with you. Like, what's, what's the problem with gold sellers, man? Yeah, you know, we weren't waiting for you to um, stop talking. You were just doing such a good job of, of summarizing what a gold seller was and RMT and all that stuff. We didn't want to interrupt you, so well done. Um, it's a good question because in your while I was listening to your explanation, it really didn't sound like there's anything wrong with it. You said that it helps people, you know, um, save a little get time, the right? Yeah, like, they save you know? that time. They get the weapon that they needed without having to grind out for 40 hours or that one person got lucky with that drop. And now he can just get it from from you know KGH WRX for X amount of dollars and whatnot. Um, there's a couple things wrong with it, and I'll start with just one of them is really um, I guess on the on the shallow side or not theoretically in depth, but is the fact that it's freaking annoying. <laughs> Gold <laughs> sellers are absolutely annoying. Not only with spamming, I'll talk about two different ways. Um, I'm gonna back it up to Final Fantasy XI. One of my favorite things in Final Fantasy XI was hunting notorious monsters. So, um, what a notorious monster is is it's a named monster that has like a specific time or a specific spawn sequence, or time or placeholder. But there's a specific events that you have to do in order to get these this monster to spawn. And the monster typically had a different name, but looked like all the other ones that that kind of distinguished itself from the other ones. Those specific monsters tend to drop a rare items that can only be acquired by defeating said monster. Now you would have multiple people camping this already, multiple regular um, players, or you know. Um, P or PCs, so player characters, so like myself and Shy and Smiley, and then you'd have other people out there, XXX Sephiroth, hunting these things that were really, really valuable and that you really wanted for your character. Well, all of a sudden, a team of gold farmer bots, they could be manned or unmanned, would show up and you would just be overwhelmed with 20 bots sitting around, and they would end up getting the claim over you. So it was really annoying to be out there to be working just as hard as anybody else. In fact, you're working harder than them because oftentimes their characters were coded to automatically... Um, aggro or to uh, tag the mob so that they get claim on it so that they can get the only drop. So what f my first experience with gold sellers did go back to Final Fantasy XI. It really had to do with gill sellers and it was that annoying just them occupying the same exact time and space that you were occupying, but the, you know they're going to get the drop and just sell it. They don't even care about it for the person, so it means it means squat to them. But to you, it would have been a, a really nice item to have, and all they're going to do is turn it around for, for profit and for money and continue working and do the same thing to the next person who comes by and wants to hunt it. So they they were really super, super annoying, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I absolutely despise them from well, that I think, experience. I think another aspect of the annoyance is, is the constant shouting and telling and yeah, so on. So and I'll, I'll let somebody else talk about that since I want I knew the the, the notorious and notorious monsters are going to take some time to explain. Chad, do you want to get into that? I mean, I mean I don't know if there's that much to say. I mean, it's just that's that's yeah, one of the way no, they I mean, advertise, right? 
And that's not the main point I want to touch on, but I think that it is, it's a big deal. And I think, uh, you know, we recently started and stopped playing Final Fantasy 14, but when it first, when we first started playing that game, it was, it was annoying. Like you would sometimes be hard to read, even read what other people were saying in like a, in like the regional, the same area chat, or, you know, because there would just be so many people who were creating like new accounts, um, you know, to, uh, you know, to, um, to advertise yeah, their, exactly. their to gold advertise their wares. Yeah. yeah exactly. And they were they were even spamming the chat so fast and so frequently that a lot of times now in, in the in the modern interfaces you can right click a name in chat or whatnot and you can actually just block or ban or report for, for gold selling. Um they spam so fast that by the time you move your cursor over there and before you can align and right click, it's already the name's already gone and some other spammer has taken its place and you can it like oftentimes you can't even get the, the spam out of the chat so the chat it leaves the communication chat window everything you can think of completely unusable it becomes a game to try to catch their name right. to right click it to ban them. i've spent we're playing blade and soul now and i've spent you know minutes on end like like the first 10 minutes sometimes of my login session will be spent sitting there trying to catch their name and ban them and catch you know to finally clean that chat up all right, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. What was your? Oh, did no, you have another no. point you want to make? Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Um, I think, um, in my opinion, one of the biggest problems. I, I think there's two really big problems. I think they've kind of tied into each other. But one of the big problems to me is that it brings, you know, I think a lot of us play games for fun, but also to a certain extent we play games because for some of us i think play games for a sense of achievement and i know i've talked to some of the guys we played with before and talking about how like especially mmos are a good way to uh you know kind of a way to like measure yourself up against other people you're playing with like you know like what have you been able to accomplish in this game and like how has your time been spent you know like how you know what and it's hard in games based on rng sometimes to really get that feeling because maybe someone just got really lucky and you've been really unlucky but you know just kind of seeing like as your character develops compared to other people like where do you stand and you know kind of congrats you know working together and helping each other out and congratulating each other where you succeed but uh, I think one area where RMT really breaks that is that is that it basically brings in a lot, a lot of cases like a real world inequality like a financial inequality now into the game and so you have people we've talked about whales in the past but what we you know we talked a lot of that more i think in mobile like in a mobile environment but like you have people who are very wealthy in real life who are willing to throw a ton of money at an mmo to like have the highest level gear and the best crafted stuff and like all of a sudden you have someone who you know is playing a game and and you know and putting time into the game and all of a sudden like it seems and and it's kind of and like it's kind of like what van was saying where he you know he was saying his thing was you know it was more of an annoyance like this is probably in the same same page but like you know like it seems it's very easy to to make it seem like like someone else's work is just is just nullified even though maybe it doesn't directly you know maybe like their buying stuff doesn't directly impact someone else's time spent in the game it can it can it can kind of seem seem that way you know what i mean like if they're just able to buy their way to like a top tier armor set that someone else could spend you know hundreds of hours farming you know i don't know that just seems it seems yeah. odd but you make a really good point, and I, I had an epiphany. I know we have a, a ton of stuff we got to cover for Smiley, but I just wanted to bring this up. Do you think gold farmers were really the, the – it led to the invention of microtransactions? Because that's essentially what they're doing. They're getting the items, and they're allowing people to pay real money, and they'll trade either the item as whole or they'll trade the money so that they can buy the item off of the auction house. So really, the, they started – microtransactions before microtransactions became a thing i wonder if microtransactions in fact were an advent from gold sellers they saw how profitable it was and we'll get into the figures later that you know yeah. the game the gamers started doing it themselves why are we going to let the the um nothing against chinese my wife is chinese but why are we going to let the chinese industry do all of the microtransactions when people are willing to pay for it and us as a gaming developer don't get any other credit or money so i think 
Uh, let me address a couple of things you said to clarify. Um, first of all, Van's not just being racist against Chinese people. Um, the, there are a lot of numbers that um, that prove that that in China the gold gold farming and gold selling is a, is a huge industry, a lot more so than in the United States or even in Europe. Um, uh, it's just a, a heavy percentage of, of the botters do come from there to the extent, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, that, that some of those regions are actually banned automatically by some games uh, because of the gold farming presence. Um, so I just wanted to clear Van's name on that. And I, I'll say, I, I think I agree with you. If, if nothing else, it proved out the idea that gamers are willing to pay real money for in-game stuff, right? Like that's like if if, if not the the microtransactions specifically, like the theory that like if you're trying to find out like would it will people pay real money for an in-game item that's you know just data like a, a you know a, a virtual sword for your virtual character? The answer is clearly yes, and I think if nothing else. Um, the gold farmers definitely paved the way for that, right? Like they, they they proved it to everybody that not only are people willing to pay, they're willing to pay a lot. Yeah, and, and piggybacking off of the off of willing to pay a lot, um, currently the big uh, microtransaction industry has to do with free to play games. Now, Final Fantasy XI, mind you, was a subscription based game. You had to pay minimum, I think it was twelve ninety nine a month, and yeah. an additional one dollar per character, or whatnot. So say it's fifteen dollars a month. So right now, all of these microtransaction games are free to play. What Eleven proved was that you can actually have a subscription base and do microtransactions on top of that, which is something that we're kind of seeing right now with with uh, premium subscriptions to free-to-play games as well as microtransactions. So they're really taking advantage of uh, not not taking advantage in a bad way necessarily, but they're they're understanding that you can make a lot of money off of gamers by transactions like this. So both Van and Shai brought up, you know, very important. Reasons why guilt, guilt, guilt buying, guilt selling kind of can detract from the community. Um, I'm going to bring up two more that they didn't talk about that I think are also uh, big and, and they're kind of tied together. And one is that it, it changes the way that developers design their games. Um, this was something that I noticed, and I'm going to go back to Van's example where he talked at length about how much he enjoyed um, the, M the NM hunting in Final Fantasy XI. One thing that I was always somewhat disappointed in is that in Final Fantasy XIV, the, the successor to Final Fantasy XI, it didn't have any NM hunting, really. It didn't have really any open-world content like there were no rare monsters to claim like that and it, it's my opinion the reason that they went away from that is that the exact reason that van alluded to that people complained that they they were frustrated that that when they they hey, it was cool to hunt these nms and and get their drops but competing against the botters and the gold sellers was just not like turned it into a, a very frustrating and and unhappy event right like it, it took the spirit out of it and really sure. pushed it and so now what's the result of that the result is nobody gets to do it anymore we've lost our privilege to hunt nms yeah but they because, did something really brilliant brought in bind on pickup which was a brilliant move for NMs. yeah but, but i mean they had that in final fantasy 11 and and you know but it it, it doesn't stop people from botting them it doesn't sure. seem like i mean even if they don't have certain values. Like, I mean, we, we would see in Final Fantasy XI, they had Bind on Pickup. So I remember seeing shouts in that game where it was like, if you want an Emperor's Hairpin, you could party up with the botter. Oh, that's and, right. And let him drop that's it right. to your inventory. Nope, right. So, like, for, for anything that they put in, they're going to try to find a way yeah. around that, and, and we have a whole section on that later. Even in, even in Aeon, we would do dungeons, and if we got a drop and nobody in the party needed it, we would shout in region, 
and right. invite people to to come into the party so they can lot on it. So right. we so, might as well explain what binom pickup is real quick before moving. Go ahead, on. please do. So binom pickup, um, typically when you get an, a drop in a game, whether it be a sword or armor or something like that, if an item is states that it's binom pickup, and that's pretty much standard terminology now, or um, binds on equip. Basically, what it means is as soon as that character uses it, or as soon as oh, bind on pickup is different than bind on equip. Sorry, bind on pickup means literally as soon as that person gets it from the lot pool, it is now bound to that character. So they can no longer, if they were a guild seller, go to the auction house and try to put that thing on sale. What it does is it discourages people from farming a specific or continuing to go after a specific mob to get that drop because they can't sell it or do anything with it. So the only people really going after that mob in the future would be people who absolutely need that, that item that they're looking for instead of just farming it. Yeah, and 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 again, as as you mentioned, that's one thing they kind of put into place to try to slow down botters and the gill sellers. But unfortunately, you know these guys are creative and they find ways to get around that. So it's it it can help, but it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. The other thing that I think is important is that in a lot of these online games, especially MMORPGs, there's an in-game economy that kind of drives the game and is, is a very important part of it. I mean, almost every one of these games has an auction house or something where you can, where you can, you know, I mean, that, that that's a part of the game. That's why hunting these monsters and getting this loot is fun because you, you get awesome treasure that you want to be able to sell and you want to be able to sell it to your, the players you're playing with, you know, I mean, in, in an ideal world, you know, the, the economy rises kind of from the grassroots and 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 people pay what something's worth it really makes for an interesting dynamic and it's a cool way for for everybody to be able to get what they need and and the problem is when you introduce um gill buying and selling it can really mess up the economies and we've you know we've all been a part of games where economies have gotten ridiculous and and the one I'm going to bring up is uh, DFO Dungeon Fighter Online back before it relaunched when it was being run by Nexon, it had a huge issue with botters and, and gold buyers. And it got to the point where you, if you wanted to afford even simple things, you basically had to buy gold because everything was so expensive because it was so easy for the botters to, to amass gold. And, and they just, you know, if, if, if you are introducing huge sums of money into the economy like that, it, it just throws everything out of whack and everything becomes inflated and overpriced. So... All right. So, anything else, gentlemen, that we've that we've overlooked? I mean, there's obviously a lot of smaller impacts as well, but I think those are the main ones. Yeah, I think one other one other thing that might be worth mentioning is just hacking. I think that it definitely like encourages yeah. negative player behavior, like hacking, because people then try to hack people's accounts who have valuable items to sell them. Like, yeah, I mean, like it's just it's just stuff like that that I think uh, that just negative behaviors like that that get encouraged. Sure. Well, and there's also the idea that if it feels like people are cheating, if it feels like people are using illegitimate means to gain wealth in a game, it, you know, it encourages other people to cheat, right? It's it's like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That kind of mentality that, you know, that if everyone else is, is getting a leg up, are you going to play legit and be left behind? Or are you going to try to do right. something as well? To, so to either you hack pace? or you're apathetic and just walk away from the game. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it, it is a problem, even though you know you can definitely phrase it, and and we'll get into this a little bit in that question I posed earlier, and whether it's better to be a gold seller or a gold buyer. You know, when you're when you're being, you know, if you go to these third-party vendors to to get money, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways that you can rationalize that and and be like, oh well, you know, I'm really just trying to save myself some time, and but 
you know, that there's obviously a lot of uninten unintended consequences of being involved in that kind of system. And uh, so before we get too into the weeds with what developers have done to try to combat this and what gold sellers then do to try to get around that, we're going to take a little break. Yo, 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 so the rap is back, and now I'm on the attack. Cutting out any words or lines of rhymes and swag. Nothing but a pure sauce being served by the boss. Focus target bringing you a podcast at no cost. But wait, ain't nothing free. We know you give us your time. That's why I make it my mission to craft every rhyme to be the best they can be. Say with us and you'll see. Focus target is the pockets of the century. Word. And we're back with Focus Target, the podcast, and uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about what these game companies are doing to try to fight off the wave of gold sellers that have been invest in infesting, not investing in, more like infesting their games. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is mass bannings. Uh, a lot of games feel like the easiest way to get the gold sellers is just to ban the accounts, but uh, there's some problems with that. Shai, you want to talk about the, the banning aspect of of uh of combating gold selling yeah well i think i mean that's the end goal right is that and and what we've talked about some of the annoyances of like spamming chat stuff like that the, the only way you can really deal with that is to actually get these accounts out of the system so they can stop doing that kind of that kind of stuff and so the only game that i've ever actually you know, i think this is prevalent in all games that that's a very valid strategy is to ban these accounts but uh the only game i've actually seen that had a name for their for the group that did this was in final fantasy 11 they had the special task force and there's actually a link if you look up special task force square enix um you can actually find their web page where they list like their month by month like ba like accounts banned and like gil frozen in that game and i was That's actually so just looking awesome. and like i guess that game is inflated a lot since we played it last because like last month they like froze like five billion gil or something <laughs> and i was, I was oh looking, my god i was gosh. looking all the way back to like 2009 and it was like 50 million or 100 million yeah. so like yeah. so the economy has obviously gotten out of control in that game very likely from uh from maybe gold farmers yeah. well, i was gonna say i don't i mean i remember i had a, a decent amount of a goal of gill in that game when i played and and still i mean a decent amount was like 40 or 50 million like that like i was wealthy in that game like to to see billions and billions being banned shows just how much it's it's blown up yeah i remember i, I bought a decent amount i mean had a decent amount too. yeah i bet you did i bet yeah, you we, did we, you know, dirty we know you had gold seller friends suppose maybe we all did <laughs> shout out okay so there's, there's a couple there's a couple other things i can do as well right and then again we're we're go back to final fantasy 11 that's the game we played the longest and that's the one we saw the most different things but one of the things that we see is a restriction of trading and selling right where certain things as as van mentioned became either bind on pickup or bind on equip to try to cut down the ability to to resell these items and inflate the economy um we saw with trading i mean i think when we first started playing final fantasy 14 we found it we we're like hey can you send me some gill yeah sure let me just send oh wait no maybe i can't send you gill because in that game they made it so you couldn't even sell or i'm sorry couldn't even send um currency through the mail because they didn't want people to be able to just easily move currency the way guild sellers and guild buyers did. And if you remember also what they did in Final Fantasy XIV, you could only trade, um, or, or not trade, you could trade with anybody, but you could only send items through the in-game mail system to people who were on your friends list. You remember that? Yep. Which I think at the, when we first saw that, we were very confused. We're like, whoa, how, what's going on with this, you know? And those were just little ways that they went in to try to, to try to, to if not stop gold 
gold exchange uh, to at least slow it down and make it more hoops to jump through. But unfortunately, if any hoops that you put in place to make the gold farmers jump through, your actual customers have to deal with as well. Um, I think, um, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to step in quickly with an example. I think a great example of this, though not an MMO, is Diablo 3. You know, when Diablo 3 first released, they had the real money auction house that they yes, were they supporting, did. where people could trade, like, money for gold, like, basically for items, for gold, and they removed it. I think that's a great statement on, on this restricting trade selling. Like, they actually removed it because players were saying it seemed to, like, cheapen the experience. They weren't feeling like, uh, like it was the traditional Diablo experience. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, yeah, that, that's, that's a whole, that's a, you could do a whole podcast on that as well, the, the whole, the changes in Diablo and how they went from a real money auction house to just an auction house to not even any any trade at all. And, like, in that game, you can't even really trade. You can, very limited, like, if an item drops, you have, like, a, an hour to trade it with people who were in the instance at the time. I mean, it's super limited, um, which is interesting because a lot of people who play Diablo 3 feel like it's a it's a drawback. They like Diablo 2 where trading and economy were a part of the game. It's kind of just another way that, that uh, you know, that, that kind of system has, 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 like, developers have changed the way they look at these things because because the 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 economy is is really hard to balance uh so shall you want or uh, actually let's get, let me give this to van because i know van you played uh terra and eve online um did you no, play eve or did we, no, no eve, but but terra but, yes and and a, a couple of these other games that have um have tried to combat this in another way by approaching it from a different angle and saying well if you can't beat them maybe join them right and then offering their own in-game currency exchange yeah, that and it, what's really cool what Terra did, and I guess um, this most recent one was the, the Elite vouchers, and I guess that's after it went um, free, free to, to play. play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but before it went free to play, they actually had the Elite vouchers as well, and they were they were a little different. Um, Terra came out as a subscription-based game. So one thing um, with subscription-based games is you don't have nearly as much typically as much um, gold selling farming and uh, i'm sure we'll i think we'll get into that later if not i just took somebody else's thunder but we, you don't have as much because you have to legitimately create a new account you have to subscribe you have to enter a credit card and do all this stuff just to enter the the universe of what a, a game you're playing in this case it was terra so it wasn't you didn't have as much however with a 30-day free trial it's not that difficult to do you know there's no credit card required anything like that it's like hey come try us out so one thing that Terra did was the elite voucher system which was really awesome and what it was was you can buy this certificate this elite voucher which is an in-game certificate it's an in-game scroll so it's all digital but you as a person can buy it for the same amount that it cost you for a monthly subscription so it's $14.99 in-game um, I think was the monthly subscription the the elite vouchers are $14.99 as well and you can actually sell that monthly subscription in-game on the auction house. And so uh, say it was going for like 600 gold or whatnot, you can pay $14.99, buy the digital item, sell it on, on, on in, the, in the auction house for the same amount of price. So now this is kind of a gray area. Did you just become a gill seller at that point or, or what? But, uh, you know, I guess because you're buying this with real money, but then you're reselling it for in-game currency for gold. Um, what it did was it made it a lot easier for you to do that and a lot more profitable for you to in the event that you wanted gold to buy these subscriptions to give it to another player to play and it essentially eliminated the whole need for gold sellers because they couldn't compete with the same prices so what it would take them to develop 800 gold um may have cost that you know they, they would sell it for like 25 
for 800 gold on online where you could just buy the Terra scroll for 15 and get the same amount of 800 gold. So it wasn't profitable for them to do um, and essentially led to decline in gold sellers on Terra or, you know, they just found it not necessarily beneficial for them. So, right. And so we, and we've seen that, that sort of thing in a couple other games, um, you know, and Shai, did you want to talk about uh, Eve or Blade, on, Blade and Soul? Because I think both of those had something seriously like, didn't Blade and Soul have a currency exchange? Well, I think the weird thing is that as of today, as of the day we're recording this part of the day, oh, we're listening to it, they have right? announced a currency exchange in Blade and Soul, which is very similar, a way for you to basically sell your gold for their end coin, which then you can use to buy items in their like shop and stuff like that. You know, um, you basically, yeah, so a way for people who buy end coin with real money can then buy gold from people for you know you know for purposes in game or people who have a lot of gold can then you know you you know get end coin from players to then buy like cosmetics and stuff that you can't normally buy with like in-game currency what i thought was really awesome about it was it really was twofold one and its main purpose was to combat um gold sellers which it did a, f a really good job in my opinion about two if you wanted to play a game and you didn't want to pay real money for it let somebody else pay real money you put in the legwork and you can literally have a subscription to the game month over month over month just by buying it with in-game currency so you didn't even have to spend real money somebody else spent the real money because they thought that 800 gold is more valuable to them but you farm that 800 gold you buy their certificate now you have a full month of free play that they paid for so it was, it was really awesome yeah so it was it was essentially a way to make a subscription mmo become free to play for some players so it, it was a very cool idea, and I think there was definitely a demand for it. That's the only way it worked, right? Like, if nobody cares about that, then you're not making any gold off it. But people obviously did care. So, uh, definitely an interesting, an interesting concept. The other thing that we've seen a lot of developers do, and I touched on this earlier, is that they've gone ahead and just done a mass IP banning at the country or region level. So they basically said that, you know, we understand that a lot of these gold farmers and gold botters come from a specific area of the world and so we're just going to kind of lock out that whole region to try to protect ourselves from those industries um, in addition some certain some companies have gone as far as to to put different regions on their own server so if you play from you know somewhere some places in asia you can only make characters on a certain server that is region locked to again try to prevent you know the the mass of these of these gold farmers from from coming into your game and, and doing all kinds of damage so basically if you play in china you're going to get spammed like crazy but if you play in the u.s since you're not ip banned you're 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 not going to get spammed as much by the asian gold sellers not not quite like that it's more That's like not it's, it's more like it's more no it's more like you're well i see what you're saying but it's, it's like they set up the server to say you only play with your own right yeah right? yeah so, so, like, so what we experience <laughs> is a fraction of what <laughs> what some people right. have to experience uh, wow but see, I mean, I, you wonder, though, because where's the demand as well? Like, just because most of the gold farmers and botters are in China, does that mean that's where most gold is bought from? Like, maybe a Chinese server is not going to get the same amount of shouting and telling, because why would they waste their time on a population oh, that's sure. not buying gold, right? Like, they're targeting their market, so... It'd be interesting to see. I, I mean, obviously, I don't live in China, so I haven't been able to play on any uh, of the Chinese region lock servers. So I don't know what it's like for a for a non botter to play on those types of servers. But <laughs> so so that's some of the stuff that developers do. On the other hand, obviously, for everything that the developers do, the gold 
the gold selling community is going to try to find a way around that. And I'm just gonna go through it real fast. We we've been a little bit uh, long winded today. As <laughs> surprise, surprise. What? So I'm just I'm just gonna kind of run down some of the things that that are kind of the big hitters. So so one of the big things, especially in these free to play games, and Van touched on this a, a little bit, is that one of the reasons that we tend to see more uh, of a market for real money trade in free to play games is that you can generally it's easier to get in the door as van mentioned right for a subscription game you have to have a credit card you have to set up an account you have to you know even if there's a you know even if it's if it's free to play for the first month or something usually it still requires a credit card to a certain extent to get to get in the door so it makes it a little bit harder there's a little bit more of a restriction to be able to to just jump on whereas on a free to play game a lot of times you know anybody can make an account on that and um so, so a lot of times what you'll see is if there's no restriction to how many accounts you can create, you'll see these gold buyers just make uh, hundreds and hundreds of accounts. Do you remember there's a very famous screenshot from Final Fantasy XI where there was one guy with like eight other characters on follow and it was money A, money oh, B, yeah. money C, <laughs> money D, like right down the line. And you're like, like this is all one guy botting six or seven characters to try to abuse the system. Um, the other thing they do is, the, is, as I just mentioned a little bit, there's an abuse of the trial period. So a lot of games, even if you do have to pay, they'll give you a 30-day free trial. And if they don't gate that behind a credit card, that's another way for people to just, you know, you, you know, use those trial periods over and over, play for 30 days, send, send all your gold, you know, to a master account, and then start over again. So... So th those are two things around that. I mean, we talked a little bit about the shouting. Um, you know, there's a lot of advertisements. Um, there's bots that run where you send people in-game direct messages. Uh, we used to call them gill tellers instead of gill sellers because you'd get random uh, personal messages saying, We're so hey, clever. I buy my yeah I know right uh, buy my gill you get discount for fifty dollar you know fifty dollar five million gill is that how um, you always read their that their that's, how, that's, what, that's what they said how, yeah, how you, did you <laughs> how did you find well, them with the gill smellers the, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right we're gonna have to go back and edit that out that's for sure <laughs> we don't do any editing on this podcast uh, of raw. course not of course not that's why we don't have a bloopers reel because all the bloopers are in the podcast. <laughs> Um, the, I mean, the other thing we see, especially this was very prevalent uh, when there was a, an auction house in Diablo, is you would always get blind friend invites. I can't, like, every time I logged into Diablo 3 when it first came out, I would have six new friend requests from XYZ66221 and then XYZ66222. You know, it was, you know, anything that they can do to get in the door to try to get you on there, you know, get their their gill in front of you and, and try to, to get to get a hook and then you know one of the things that we just talked about a little bit is they, they were always very clever to to change their text to try to elude filters because one of the things that these companies would do is they put in a filter on their chat to try to automatically block you know keywords about that that had to do with selling gill so you know dot what, what, com you know gold. yeah exactly <laughs> i mean there was just <laughs> like i remember one guy had like a codex where he where it said okay replace every blank with the letter e <laughs> i remember and this. it was like what, what they just it just it really just goes to show how far people will go to to do some of this stuff um 
But so, I mean, it's a never-ending war, right? It's a battle between the developers where they will try to do different things to discourage goal sellers, and the goal sellers will try to find a way around that, right? Just like any, I mean, it's really, it's, it's uh, cyber warfare in a way. And so that kind of brings us to the, the summary question is, who's winning that battle, right? Like, what's, what's going on, you know, as, as games get more sophisticated and developers get more experience, are they doing a good job of weeding gold sellers out of the game? Are the mass bannings and some of these creative pricing things where they're offering vouchers and things of their own, is it making it less profitable for the gold sellers? Van, what do you know about this? Absolutely nothing. That's that's terrible. <laughs> I was talking, but I wasn't pushing the button to talk. So push, push the button. Push button. Receive talk. So, this will get edited out. I will say that right now. <laughs> so um, the what I talked about a lot about was the status vouchers. I think that, in my opinion, um, had the biggest impact and the best impact um, for the reasons that I said were twofold. It seems like it wasn't cost effective for the gold sellers to um, grind up the gold and then try to sell it for 800 when somebody else can just pay 15 to get the uh, the voucher and sell it for 800 instead of paying their $30 for the 800 or whatever it was. Um, I think that was really, really good. But what I think, aside from that voucher, it just seems like every single time the developers do anything to combat um, gold selling or RMT or botting, the, the, they just figure out a way to circumvent the system. And they do a really, really good job of it. I'm not saying they do a good job <laughs> because what they're doing is, is good. In fact, I, I, I hate what they're doing and, 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 and have a real disdain for their practice. And I really think that they have negatively impacted a ton of games that without gold sellers or gill sellers or RMT, um, would have just been immensely more enjoyable and, and hours and hours of, um, you know, frustration would have been um, non-existent, Averted. essentially. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I think the best thing so far ha that I've seen work is the vouchers. Uh, aside from that, I haven't seen anything else work. They just seem to be too, too, too light on their toes and too uh, ingenious in figuring out different ways to circumvent the system. So, I mean, the, the tough thing is, I mean, since what they're doing is is generally either, if not illegal, against the terms of service sure. that most of these games imply, it's difficult to say, you know, there's not a lot of good numbers. And, and, uh, and uh, as I joked uh, before our podcast, it's not like these guys are, uh, you know, declaring their gold selling gains on their tax right. forms, you know, right. like, it's hard to say how big it is. We, we tried to poke around on the internet a little bit and we found uh, the New York Times in 2005 reported that it was anywhere from a 200 to 900 million dollar industry, uh, the, the industry of gold selling that all kinds of people both in the United States and abroad, um, like made their living farming gold in these games. So Unfortunately, we don't have any better numbers. Shy, let me ask you this. I mean, as you know, you play a lot of online multiplayer games, MMOs. What does it feel like to you? I mean, you, you made a reference earlier that you sometimes spent hours, you know, not hours maybe, but, you know, up to 10 minutes trying to fight spam of gold sellers. Does it feel like compared to five or 10 years ago that gold sellers and, and RMT is more prevalent, less prevalent, or about the same? 
Yeah, I think um, I think it does feel more prevalent. I think that uh, part of the problem is, you know, we cut our. I mean, I cut my teeth on Eleven, which was a subscription MMO. We've talked about this a lot, and like because of that subscription wall, I think guild selling was less prevalent. And now that we're playing yeah, more free to play yeah. games, the subscription model is is basically dead. Um, we'll see what happens with fourteen, but um, in the free to play game, they're just it's just more com- it's more common. I just don't know that a developer can eliminate it. And we'll, I think we may get to this in a minute, but I think that like I think it's it's human nature. I mean, as long as there is demand for the four gold sellers the, there will be gold sellers if you know tomorrow everybody who played online games said all right i'm going to start legitimately getting my currency you know what's going to happen in like two or three months there won't be any more gold selling because there'll be no market like they'll have to go they'll find something else some other another way to make money i mean so as long as there's profit there and there's a market they're just going to keep going laws of supply and demand definitely definitely uh sorry impactful here quick quick question with the i guess new to me a recent terminology of whales and, and we did a whole podcast on what a whale is with that do you think that the gold sellers are profitable because i, I think the statistic was staggering it was like one percent of the people buy like 90 percent or put 90 percent of the money into a free-to-play game do you think that's is it is it reasonable to assume that that's the same with gold sellers like one percent of the population playing the video game is literally buying 90 percent of their wares as opposed to the other 10 percent and if so how crazy is it that one percent of the gamers are the reason why a hundred percent of the gamers are being annoyed left and right see i don't i don't know if it is i don't know if that's going to be the same equivalence because generally a whale is paying for I don't. I, what do you think, Shy? I don't think it is a straight up equivalence, but I do think that when people, when I've seen on forums where I've seen people talk about buying stuff like that, like buying currency, it's because they normally work in a very high paying, stressful job, and in their mind, the way they justify buying currency is, hey, I just want to come home and then take some of the money that I've earned in real life, working sixty to eight hours a week, you know, making you know a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever, to then be able to then advance my time. You know, I don't have the sixty hours that maybe Shy over here can throw into you know occasionally into a week of gaming you know even though he works a low stress low paying job you know what i mean but like that's the way of justification is like is i make a lot of money and i have money sitting around i'm gonna i'm gonna um, progress my game experience i'm gonna you know I, I don't know so i don't know that it's whale level but i do think that the that the significantly rich do make up that majority i don't think that you see a lot of probably low to medium income people buying in-game currency interesting yeah i don't know why i feel like it wouldn't be as prevalent but maybe it is i mean i think you've got I just wonder how much gold do you need? Like I see these shouts where it's like, you know, $20 buys 50 million gold. And it's like, would you really spend a thousand dollars and get 2 billion gold? And like, what are you going to do with that? Like that's more than anyone ever needs. I feel like, so I feel like there's, there's that limit. Whereas in these free to play games in these freemium games, they prey on like more of an addictive thing, right? Like the reason a lot of these whales are whales isn't because they want to spend a thousand dollars it's because they want to spend whatever it takes to get the items they want or get what they need out of it and generally these games don't let you just get what you want they give you a chance at what you want we talked about the gotcha system things like that and so i think i and maybe that's just a misconception on my part but my 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 feeling is that most of these people who pay big money um to these freemium games are because they've kind of gotten caught into a bit of a gambling trap a little bit like there's they're they're like i don't care how many attempts it takes i'm going to pay what it takes to get what i want whereas with a buying gill like you know what you're getting like you just need to pay for what you need so i I feel like 
but but maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe they do just say, hey, I'm just gonna drop. You know, I'm just gonna get 50 million gill and, and never have to worry about it again. Yeah, I think the problem is I think that the I think the amount you you gave is maybe a bit of a is a bit of an exaggeration. At least I mean, like I think of most recently with with 14, I think the rates were much more like ten dollars for like you know for much smaller amount, like yes. a million or two yeah, million gill true. or something like that. And so I, I think agree. that you could yeah. you could throw a couple hundred dollars into a game and still maybe have enough to push your way into like either a heroic you know whatever like a high level yeah. tier. Like yeah. like if you have a bunch of friends, let's say you're you're a wealthy guy who met a bunch of guys online gaming who've been playing for a while and are rating at a high level and you're like i want to play with you guys it i could see it being very easy for them to like throw a couple hundred dollars into a game oh, so i've you heard get caught of that up. happening like i mean i don't know yeah yeah I've, I've 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 heard of that happening i've had um friends who have been in like guilt or been in clans and whatnot where somebody in that clan has literally done that with like their static like oh this person's static in with these five people and he just threw you know 100 200 at each person basically so that they could all get xyz stuff um also remember in a lot of these games there's things like crafting where materials are ridiculously mm-hmm. expensive and i could easily use up your 50 billion gold or whatever it was like yeah, some of the top I guess, tier items i guess and, if we th- well i guess if we think yeah. back to a game like terra where there was that RNG element, <laughs> right. that gold right? Sink. Where right. your gold could go really quick. So yeah, that's you're a, buying those weapons, point. but yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you yeah, still got to play right. with RNG. Right. All right. Well, let's finish on the question that I brought up at the beginning, and I know this is a bit of a, a chicken or the okay, egg so type of question, but Autumn, Twilight. It's a book. Summer Flame. Oh, read it. Oh, not, not 2016. That far in the beginning. <laughs> Sorry, not that. <laughs> you're, you're going too far back. <laughs> going too far back. What is worse? Being a gold seller or a gold buyer. If you have, if you say, if if you want to pick one thing and say, what's wrong with this game? Is it the gold selling or the gold buying? And I know it's a symbiotic relationship. I know it takes two to tango, as you said. There's a supply and demand. But but where does where does the onus lie? Is it is it the gill sellers that are wrong for tempting the honest, hardworking citizens of the game, or is it the citizens who enable these gold sellers to make a living because of their of their greed and their impatience? Um, Shy, I'm gonna start with you. Where where do you come down? Who's who's really at fault here? I laughed out loud when you made the statement. Is it the gold sellers who are tempting the honest, hardworking <laughs> the players honest, of this game? It is players. hands down, a hundred percent in my mind, the fault of the gold sellers. No doubt in my mind. If no, I'm sorry. I was gonna say. I just said the wrong thing. I said the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, let me go back. Wait, let me go back. You can edit that out. No, no, no. We're not editing this out. This is not an edited show. No, it's hundred percent. It's hundred percent in my mind. The fault of the guild buyer, the the gold buyers or guild buyers, whatever they are. I think. Uh, I don't like. They're the ones who are driving the demand. And and I, and if like I said earlier, if they if they just stop, if if the gaming populace just stopped buying you know gold and in game currency, it would dry up. There, I mean, for a while we would still see the remnants of that industry. But if there was if there was no one been buying it, then then there would be no way to sustain the the amount of of shouts and and you know propaganda. So, so your opinion is that the people need to be better. They need to hold themselves to a higher standard. Yeah. Stop giving in to gold sellers and clean up their own game. I don't expect that you? to happen. What, what, uh, well, <laughs> we're, we're talking I- idealistically here, not what, what we expect uh, is realistic. Van, what about you? Do you agree with Shy, or do you think that more of the responsibility goes on the gold seller? No, I'm going to make an analogy here, um, and it's going to be a really bad analogy. But, you know, do you blame the drug dealer, or do you blame the crack whore? I, I, I blame the crack whore. I think she should clean up her act. I don't blame the – I mean, obviously, the drug dealer is a, a dickhead. But in this case, the drug dealer would be the gill, the gill sellers. <laughs> the crack whore would be the gill buyer. If the whore would just stop buying crack, 
everything would be fine. Then the drug dealers would go away and the city would clean up. Um, like I said, it's a terrible analogy, but I agree with Shai wholeheartedly. You know, they're, they're out there trying to make a buck, whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's annoying. But if nobody buys it, they're going to have no incentive to keep doing what they're doing and eventually just go away. There's no reason for them to stay there anymore. So it, it has to do with the purchaser. And um, if you had them lined up side by side, I'd be taking out the crack or first. All right. All right. Well, I guess it wasn't that controversial of a question. I thought maybe we'd all Is it have smiley? different opinions. Where do you stand? Now, so no, here's I what happened with Obama. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not going oh, to That's probably good. We're, we're going to try to avoid making this a political Obama podcast. supports gold farming? What? No, please stop with anything <laughs> political. <laughs> just as a full disclaimer, I think all three of us kind of have somewhat different political beliefs. So that, <laughs> that could be a, a podcast of its own. Political That'd focus be a target. Podcast. That'd be a if, if, podcast. Some, if one gaming character could be president, who could it be? <laughs> <laughs> now that's and, a good question and, of the and day. What par- and what party would you? <laughs> <laughs> we have to think about that. I love it. All right. Well, despite despite our, our rambling, I think we've come in a little bit under time, so we're going to just cut our losses here. Um, if you guys, Smiley, what was your stand? You didn't uh, you didn't say what your stand no, was. No, I, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, oh, all right. It's, right. It's you, hard you to not say you agree. You had nothing like, you to say. Well, I, mean, what, I mean, what I mean, you I say, I could, analogy I could, or something. I could repeat what you guys said. <laughs> I think I'm not going to for right, sorry. <laughs> for my own sanity. But no, I mean, I, I think what I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm, I don't think it's right that the gold sellers do what they do. And and my, but I guess the point. I'm glad you revisited this because I kind of got lost in, in the crack whore analogy, I guess. Um, the point I was trying to make is that we all blame the gold buyers, but who do we demonize? We demonize the gold seller. Sure. We, 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 we decry the gold seller and say, oh, those fucking gold sellers. I hate RMT. I hate how they ruined my game. You even said yourself, man, they ruined your game. Right. But is it? But you don't blame them. You blame the gold buyers, and and you don't see a lot of people calling for their heads or giving them trouble when they find out. And maybe you do. There's a little bit of shaming that goes on when you when you see somebody on the on the internet who cops to buying gold. You know, they get they get the business on the forums and stuff. But but it seems like the the animosity is maybe not pointed at the people that we truly blame. And I think that's an interesting an interesting point. And I'm obviously guilty of it myself. And the the poor bastards in China, man, they're making like pennies. An hour oh, doing yeah, what they're doing. It's, like, uh, it's not like they're making a lot of money. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's, the people actually doing the farming. It's the people. It's the higher ups in that in that right. system that are taking advantage of impoverished people. Yeah, it's that is a good point. That's that's worth. That's definitely worth bringing up. All right, fair listeners, I'm going to give you guys a second chance. If you want to contact us, the masterminds behind the Focus Target podcast, you have the ability to do so. You can leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a, give us a rating, one star, two star, three star, four star, five star, whatever. We'd like to hear what you got. We'd like you to be honest with us. Give us some feedback. What can we do better? What do you not like about the podcast that maybe we could clean up a little bit? Um, you could... Give us that feedback on Twitter. We have at Focus Target as our handle. Uh, give us a tweet. Uh, drop us an email at the Focus Target Podcast at gmail.com or check out the blog, focustarget.wordpress.com. I've been told that there might be some activity on there sometime in the future. I don't know if that's true, but uh, we hope that it is. Um, you know, it's always great to have you guys with us. Thank you for listening to Focus Target Podcast. Uh, signing off, I'm Smiley. This is Sean. I'm Van, and as always, Cover us, Porkins. We're out.